You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. This morning, I would like for us to get back to work. And so what I would have you do is turn in your copy of Scripture to James chapter 1. And we're going to look just at verse 26 with uh, you this morning. So if you will, please stand with me as we stand upon the solid rock of God's Word. And God's Word is so solid that we only need one verse today to carry us through. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Friends, what we want to do this morning is we want to avoid worthless religion. We want to make sure that our faith is working for others and making a difference everywhere we go. Let's pray. Lord, we ask this morning that you will speak in a mighty way today. And Lord, though that title of worthless religion and avoiding it, we know, God, that's a a little hard, a little harsh. But God, we know in this room there's something special, something good, something true That's what we want to spread around the world, Jesus. And so, God, let your love fill this place, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I'll tell you this. Since it is Missions Week, I think it's important for you to understand that maybe a subtitle here would be helpful. Yes, we want to avoid worthless religion, but that's so we can spread the gospel around the world. And what we want to make sure is that as we are spreading the gospel worldwide, we are spreading His message and not our own Worthless religion creeps in when we start putting too much of us into the mix, okay? When it comes right down to it, the kind of faith that the world needs is the kind of faith that comes through the Scriptures by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. And when that is what is filling us, we can change the world. But I tell you this, a life out of control will begin with a heart out of control. Take a look at that text, and it speaks of the person who is deceiving his or her own heart. I'm here to tell you every problem that we face in this world has at its root a heart issue. My brother Johnny, one of the things that he always has challenged me with is, he says, how's your heart? Because that's where it all begins. And if we're not careful, we will end up with a disaster. When there isn't love, when God's grace isn't filling us, we will have a religion without love, and that is always disastrous in its consequences. We'll talk more about that here in a little bit. The problem isn't religion, friends. The problem is worthless religion. Religion is not the enemy. It's, it's not the problem. The problem is, is when our hearts get too mixed up in it and we're not listening to the heart of God. Look at that passage of Scripture. I, I didn't notice this at first, but did you notice that the word religious or religion is mentioned twice in that passage? There's actually two different words here in this one little verse for religion. The first word really focuses on standing in awe of God. So that first word there, when it speaks of if anyone thinks he is religious, that's talking about the attitude of religion. And if you'll look there at the end of the passage, it speaks more specifically about that religion being worthless if the heart isn't right. 
And that is really the expression of religion. The expression. So on the one hand, you have the attitude of religion, and then the second word talks about the expression. Well, friends, it's pretty obvious. If we don't have the right attitude, we will not have the right expression. Our purpose today is to make sure that we get this right, okay? Uh, As it relates to what we do, how we share the gospel here in Springfield and around the world, my primary consideration today is getting our hearts right where we are truly giving our all to Jesus and that our hearts are being transformed by His message. And when we do that, it will govern our thinking, our talking, and then we will treasure the things that God treasures. And that's what we want to get to today. Our thinking and our talking is moving toward the treasure of the gospel. Amen? It's what we want. We have a treasure to share with the world. In my spare time, since I have so much of it, I've decided to devote some time to reading Russian literature. That's what everybody does, I think. And I've read about everything I can. Uh, Leo Tolstoy, I, I tell you, his books are impossibly hard to read sometimes. But he wrote a little book called Resurrection, and I, I recommended it. Uh, we put that out on the, on the web this week. Uh, it's, it's one of those uh, accessible uh, books in Russian literature, and that is saying something. But this story is about redemption. And, and you think throughout the story it's about the redemption of one person, then you find out it's about the redemption of another. But one of the great lines in the book is this. If you feel no love, set still. Now I want you to think about this for a moment, because if we're going to talk about the attitude of religion that leads to the action of religion, we need to make sure that before we go out and do anything for the Lord, that we are filled with the love of Jesus. If you don't feel any love, watch out. Your ministry may be all about you and not about God. We want to make sure that we're here worshiping the Lord powerfully so that we feel the love and so that when we go and do things for God, we're doing them out of love. At the end of our sermon today here, we'll, we'll try to bring that down to earth a little bit. But listen to this. There are no circumstances, Tolstoy says, where we should deal with human beings without love. It doesn't matter what the situation is, brothers and sisters. We always have to care for people with the love of Jesus. And everywhere you go in this world, those who are hurting, sometimes they're hurting because of wicked human beings hurting other human beings. But sometimes in the name of religion, people are hurt. Friends, if we do not have love, we must sit still. And so today, be filled with love so that when we go out on mission, we are going to fill this world with love. So let's talk about thinking for a moment, the role of the mind in true religion. Take a look at verse 1. It says it pretty plainly there. If anyone thinks he is religious, I think thinking is a big part of what we do. Now, I don't want to put too much into this because sometimes we can spend so much time studying theology that we don't practice theology. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about here that you need to make sure that you are thinking biblically. I'm always amazed at how many times the things I do and the things I say, I'll find a scripture and I'll realize I'm not in line, I'm not in step with the scriptures. I'm not thinking properly, therefore I'm acting improperly. I'm not putting it all together. You see, the deception of your heart, the core of your spiritual being, begins in your mind. We want you to be reading good books and thinking good thoughts because if you lose control for the battle of your mind, you're going to lose the battle for your heart. 
The mind and the heart are connected. And unthinking Christianity will quickly evolve into unloving Christianity. When we're not thinking about what God's Word says, we are opening a door for disaster. Our neighbors, our friends, the people around us need to experience the love of God. We have in the Scriptures everything we need to share with the world a hope and a joy like no other. And when the mind is governed by the Word, I'm telling you, that's when the Holy Spirit begins to work. The Holy Spirit so often works through His Word. When it is filling your heart, it will pour out of you. When it's filling your mind, you have a good word to say no matter what the situation. Inconsistent minds do lead to inconsistent religion. Listen to 1 John 2, 9. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Listen to 1 John 3, 17 and 18. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. So in other words, if, if the word of God is not managing you and guiding you, then what's going to happen is in your religious activities, you're going to say one thing and do another. And I think that leads to uh, destruction. That's what leads to, to, to a faith without works. At least works that really make a difference for the kingdom. Friends, this is a hard thing for us to, to get our minds around because we automatically assume if we're doing good things, that's good enough. But we need to realize how we're thinking through things. Why do we do it? Many people, when they're thinking about doing good things, it's for their own reputation's sake. It's for the honor of their family or maybe even the honor of their church in some, in some um, non-spiritual sense. I love Ridgecrest. I want to see Ridgecrest successful in the world, but we are about the kingdom. If our number one goal is to look good and and just our church look good, we've missed something here. We want to be kingdom-minded. We want to think like the Scriptures teach us to think. And the Scriptures teach us to think globally, to think eternally, to think beyond whatever is in this moment. Paul warns us about the man who thinks he knows something. 1 Corinthians 8.2, or the man who thinks he is something when he is nothing. Oh, brothers and sisters, here's what you need to think. You need to think that the only reason you have the hope of the gospel is because Jesus died for your sins. Let me tell you what you need to think. You need to think that every single good thing that you have in your life is because God is good and has poured out his beneficent blessings on your life. What you need to think is, is that if you are unfaithful and untrue to the scriptures, God's kingdom will still march forth, but just without you. And you better be thinking that you want to be in march, in step with the work of the kingdom of God. Don't be faulty in your thinking. Don't just think you're religious. Don't just look in the mirror of Scripture and then forget what you've seen. Remember James 1.24. Think about this. How many times do, do we, when we were children, maybe we, we would study for a test and put the answers into our short-term memory and then forget all about it. Listen, with our Savior and King, we need to be better thinkers than that. We're not here to pass a test today. There will not be a test at the end of the sermon, but there will be a test Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Every day there will be a test. 
And that test will be, will you live for Christ? Are you going to allow the words of God to shape you? Let me ask you this question. How often do you pour over the word that it might pour into you? If you are not pouring over the word, don't be surprised that the word of God isn't pouring into you. Church, we have the scriptures. Now with our, our smartphones in our pocket and our purses, uh, we have the word of God at our fingertips all the time. I think it's interesting that we'll spend hours a week scrolling through Facebook, but we won't spend but minutes a week on our Bible apps. I think it's interesting how we will spend a lot of time watching our shows, our favorite shows. We binge watch television shows, and I'm here to tell you, I haven't heard anybody tell me lately about a Bible reading binge. It's funny how we make time for things. And, it's, and for me, what I've noticed over the years is, as I, as I get to a place where I'm not focusing on the Lord, if I have focused on other things, um, I can tell it, I can feel it down deep in my bones. You know, what you fill your, your mind with, it, it, it flows from you, and we must be careful. Our second point is this, after thinking, we need to consider talking, and that is the role of the tongue in true religion. Think about this, a mind out of step with God's truth will lead to a tongue that steps on the hearts of others. We do great destruction, brothers and sisters, with our mouths so often. We do not bridle our tongue. Look at the passage again. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, notice the connection. If, if you're thinking you're religion, religious and, and you're not, then it just stands to reason that you're not bridling your tongue. This is a big part of James's message. We've already heard it once in chapter 1, verse 19, where we were exhorted to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Look at chapter 3 and chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, and you'll see that that idea is developed even further. Friends, here's a simple thought. We hear less than we ought because we talk more than we should. Oh, my friends, it is so easy in this world where we are bombarded with data to think that we've got to add more of our data to the mix. And I'm just going to tell you right now, we need Christians today standing up and speaking the truth in love. But notice it has to be in love. We don't want to just speak. It's not enough to just get up and say religious things. We want to get up and speak things that are profound and loving. As I'm talking to my daughter, my, my children, I'm telling them, you know, the world is saying a lot of things today, a lot of negative things about Christianity. The only way to push back uh, is not to argue with people, but to just wash over all their ugliness with love. To talk about the grace of Jesus, to live hospitable lives, to, to show mercy to people who otherwise would never have that mercy. We are here today, friends, because we can express our beliefs. We have the freedom, at least as of today, of free speech to, to share our thoughts and everything. But notice this, and I'm going to say this. This is as close to politics I'll get today as I'll get today. Listen to this. Here in America, we talk about free speech. And I'm here to tell you that that is a Baptist idea. The, the early uh, founding fathers of our nation got a lot of their ideas of free speech from Baptist thought and theology. Baptists have always said that we believe that everybody should be free to express their opinions, to say what is on their mind and on their hearts. We do not want to ever bridle the voice of the other. 
We always believe. Here's why. We're not afraid of the voice of the other because we believe that the voice of Christ is the best voice, the clearest voice. It will win the day. Jesus will be victorious. But listen to this. Anytime that we try to shut down someone else's speech, it only shows that we do not have courage of our own convictions. In the world today, people are trying to shut the church up. Why does the devil do that? Because the devil knows that what we have to say is true. Beware of anybody that's trying to shut down the conversation. That just means their argument is weak. And we will. We will speak the gospel message of love no matter what. We will speak the truth of the scriptures no matter what. We are not afraid because the voice of God is more powerful than the voice of man. I'm not here to be religious. I'm here to be Holy Spirit filled. And when I speak, I don't want to speak as Jeremy the philosopher or teacher. I want to speak as Jeremy the one who is a sinner saved by grace, filled with the love of Jesus, sharing that love of Jesus with the world. You want to avoid worthless religion? then speak love and mercy and grace in this old world. Because when the living water flows from you, it changes the landscape. You've been out west and seen the Grand Canyon and those other great canyons, or even here in the Midwest, the great rivers that flow through our land. Over time, they cut through just not dirt, but even rock. Water is soft, but it can really change the environment. It changes all that it touches. And the living water of Jesus, it doesn't just change uh, the outward appearance, but it changes the souls of men and women, boys and girls. When we have love, we have something to share. It's kind of funny, though. You know, when we have something really good to share, we say, oh, we got to tell you something. I want to tell you this good news. But, but human beings also have a similar passion uh, when there's something bad to tell. There's this great commercial, I think it's a Geico commercial, where these, I guess it's like raccoons, and they're saying, man, this tastes terrible, you got to try it. You know that, I love that commercial, this, is, this stinks, this is terrible, you got to taste this. And I'm thinking, you know, sometimes as Christians, um, we, we, we hear bad news, and we, we seem to share it as, with as much uh, gusto as, as we share the good news. Man, this world's terrible, let me tell you about it. That's something different. I mean, listen, news today floods us with negativity. The world doesn't need more negative news. They need the good news. And listen, this is a reliable gauge of where your heart is. If you are negative all the time, that means the gospel positivity isn't there as it ought to be. I'm here to tell you, I, for years and years and years, I, I was just shocked that the people that were leaders in churches, whether they were pastors or deacons or elders, many times were the most negative people in the church. They always saw the negative. They always wanted to talk about how terrible the world was. Listen, that is true, yes, but you're looking at all the negative stuff and you're not looking unto Christ. Our mouths need to proclaim the glory and hope of Jesus. We will never win anybody to Jesus by reminding them of just how terrible the world is. We've got to tell the world how awesome Jesus is. Oh, friends, we've got to get past this. We're all worried about our free speech. Listen, many times our free speech inhibits gospel love because we're talking about all the wrong things. 
we got to talk about the good stuff, man. Listen, I, I did a dissertation in death and dying. I know the dark, but I don't want any more dark. I want the light of the resurrection. I don't want to talk about how the world is falling apart. I want to talk about how Jesus is putting lives back together. When we bring our missionaries in, we hear some great stories because God is doing some awesome stuff. Our last point is this. What are we treasuring? What is the role of the heart in true religion? Our verse today shows the intimate connection between our minds and our mouths, but also our heart. In Scripture, the heart represents our true self, our central passion, what we treasure above all things. When we talk about your heart, really what we're saying is, what, where's your treasure? What do you love the most? Now the answer in Sunday school and church is Jesus. But the answer that you give and the way you live your life may be something completely different. What do you treasure? Does anybody know it? Do you show it? When our affections are bent toward things of this world, we are not able to love Christ above us nor the souls around us. When the church isn't worshiping well and not ministering well, it's because we have lost our heart for God. A heart for God is the beginning and the end. It is everything when it comes to worship and ministry. Where is your heart? Your heart is what will determine your religious energy, power. Oh, it is tragic and I know it is true. Church, we know it is true that Many a soul has been shipwrecked by, by leaders who have fallen. Just in the news the last couple of months, one of the great apologists, I won't name his name today, but most of you will know who I'm talking about, a hero of mine, a person with, with a, an eloquent voice of reason against the secular culture. After he passed away, it was found out that he had a terrible, terrible amount of sin in his life. And the world lifts that up and says, see, even your leaders... Even your leaders, their hearts are wicked and corrupt. But I'll say this. Most of the time when people are pointing at leaders and talking about how they failed and how much corrupt, corruption is in their hearts, all they're doing, that's a ruse so that they don't have to deal with the corruption in their own hearts. Let me just say this. The leaders of Christianity have feet of clay. And sometimes there's a price to pay for that, and it ought to be paid because leaders should be held to a higher level of accountability. But the church is going to have to start understanding that when we have a heart for God, we love each other. And we admit our own failures. Quit worrying about everybody else's failures. Look in the mirror and ask God to help you grow. Where's your heart? Because if you're in this room and breathing, you are guilty of hypocrisy. Loving Jesus and treasuring Him above all things is the only way to avoid worthless religion. The heart matters. Our actions reveal our passions. I want to be careful here. I don't want to spend too much time on this issue, but I'm going to say it. The church needs a heart checkup in a big way. And, and right now, I'm going to tell you, because of years and years, decades of of um, not paying attention to our hearts, we have a generation today that doesn't really think about their hearts and where they stand before God. They're willing to compromise in a number of ways, and they don't even realize they're compromising. Where is your heart? One of the things that reveals the hearts of our young families is an issue that Kelsey touched on just briefly. If you look at the world today, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, soccer, 
all those things. And I love sports and played many of those sports myself. Played on club teams, enjoyed that. Those are some great memories. But today, one of the ways I know that our treasures are off a bit is that sports and activities for our children. It can be theater, it can be whatever it is that that we put on a high pedestal. When that is number one, and church and ministry and the things of God are somewhere beneath that, don't, don't fool yourself into thinking that your treasures are in the right place. Cody Pentecost is the one who's going to be on Wednesday night doing a breakout session in the chapel on the subject of a biblical approach to parenting in youth sports. And I'm going to tell you, our church needs that talk. This man here with busy children needs that talk. I, even bringing it up, am telling you that I've not always made the perfect choices here. So do not think that I'm pointing a finger at you. I'm also realizing I've made this choice many times and made it poorly. Many of you, since your kids are grown up and everything, you're thinking, whew, he didn't get on to me. You're next. (laughs) Some of you wouldn't dream of being late to work. But being late to church is no big deal. You never miss a day of work. But it just takes a, a, a sprinkle of rain to keep you at home. We get our kids to school on time, else they would uh, get tardies and get in trouble with their principals and teachers. We get them to, to, to school on time, but families sometimes really struggle in getting to church on time. Now, as a man who came to church early and my wife always had to get the kids together, I probably won't preach this in the second service because I really, because my wife will be in the room. <laughs> Told you I'm a hypocrite. I was trying to illustrate it for you. No, I will say it and I will get in trouble, but nonetheless, that's just kind of normal for me. Um, I, I, I do believe though, once again, I, I'm, I'm trying to be lighthearted, but this is deadly serious. Because if you really think about the things you treasure, the things you value, the things you don't want to lose, the things you don't want to go sideways, you put the extra effort in and you make it work. And if that's your attitude with church, then you're in the right spot. But my fear is, is that many of us, that is not our attitude with church, worship, ministry. Worship and ministry are things that we do when time allows. That is not the way God intended it to be. We are new creations in Christ, and we need to start acting like it, brothers and sisters. Every word that comes from our mouth is either making the world a better place or a worse place. So let me ask you, are you making it a better place? Is your heart in Christ alone? The last thing this world needs is worthless religion. The world does not need more false teaching. The world does not need more false piety. The world needs you and me with hearts in, uh, on fire for Jesus, filled with his love, and sharing that love. It's not much more complicated than that. In fact, we need to purge every little bit of worthless religion from us with all of our strength. And that will help us think biblically, speak biblically, and love as Christ did, which is completely. And that basically sums up what we've been talking about today. We think biblically. We speak biblically, and then we love as Christ did, which is completely. And everybody can say, yeah, pastor, that's what I want to do. But it just isn't that easy. Let me, 
Uh, we were joking earlier today, you know, Pastor Jeremy goes from Leo Tolstoy to emojis, but let's do this. If you're moving without love, your religion will be hijacked. Let me show you a couple ways it can be. The first one is anger. You recognize that emoji? I guess the one with the red face means you're really angry. Okay? Now I want to tell you, every time you lose your temper with your kids, with your wife, with your coworkers, that means that there is a seed of worthless religion in your heart. Here's another one. Look at this guy. What's he doing? I use the one on the left, and well, I, yeah, I use both those a lot, actually, because these are, are sarcasm. Now, I'm going to tell you, Johnny has heard me pr- confess this. He needs to get saved on this er- issue, but anyway, <laughs> um, he needs to profess it more. You know, he thinks that there's a spiritual gift of sac- uh, uh, sarcasm, and there's not, um, <laughs> but I love him anyway. Um, no, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. You're going too fast. You're going too fast. People with that skull, they're going to get really scared. All right. Listen, most of the time, sarcasm is, is harmless and, and, and funny and all that kind of stuff. But when you're sarcastic all the time and it starts to cut, it could mean that your religion has a seed of worthlessness. This next one is really interesting. Um, the, it's laughter, and the, the cool kids told me that you don't use the crying face anymore because that's like so last year. You use the skull because you say, you know, I'm dying over here or whatever. You're laughing so hard it's killing you, right? I don't know. Listen, I don't make up these rules. Don't, don't look at me funny. It's not, what do I know? But sometimes laughter is just, when you find somebody that's always making a joke and cutting up sometimes, it's because they're not being serious about the real issues in their life. Laughter is a beautiful thing and often a sign that we are uh, right where God wants us to be. But sometimes we use our laughter as a foil so that we don't have to be serious about the deep things of God. This last one is a little harder to read perhaps, but I think it just represents numbness, absent-mindedness. It's not that we, we, like, we're thinking horrible things or doing horrible things. It's just that we're not thinking about the things of God at all. I have to tell you, of all these things, the one that scares me the most is that last one. Because the majority of people in the church, let's put it this way, that are on the church roll, they're probably not out there worshiping the devil or anything, but they just don't seem to care anymore about the things of God. Worship is something that happens occasionally. Bible reading and doing ministry is rare. Boy, there's a seed of worthless religion there. It's time to purge all those things, brothers and sisters. It's time to get real. And listen, I'm going to ask you to do this. I told you that if you don't have love, sit still. But let me just change it around. I'm going I'm to argue with Tolstoy for just a moment here, dare I? Um, I'm going to say if you're not filled with love, then don't sit still. Come to the altar. Because if you don't get love filling your heart then you're not going to be able to go out and do the mission work that we need to do for the kingdom of God. Your neighbors need you filled with true religion, true love, the gospel. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.